Most responsible pet owners know what it takes to create an awesome dog. You've got your grooming, your exercise, your training, your affection, and of course, solid boundaries. But there's one thing that I feel gets missed, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Advocating for your dog. What does that mean? Let's get into it right now. Alright, welcome to this week's episode. What we are going to be talking about today is advocating for your dog. I think this is extremely, extremely important. Uh, But before we get into this topic, I want to remind everybody that this podcast is brought to you by OnDogTrainingAcademy.com, where your online course-driven website, you can jump on there, and eventually here you'll be seeing courses and a bunch of cool options that you'll be able to use for training your dog. Uh, you can jump on there, hit the subscribe button on the top right-hand side of the page. That'll put you on our email list, and we will be sending out notifications as this site gets built and as really cool things start to pop up, and we're real close to being able to get to that point. Um, also, check out the podcast's Facebook page, which Learn, Laugh, Bark Podcast. Uh, we're on Facebook. There is a link to it in the description below, so definitely check that out and uh, comment on it. Tell me what you want me to talk about uh, tell me how things are going. Tell me if something was, was really good advice. Tell me if it wasn't good advice, I guess. I mean, my feelings won't get hurt too much, I suppose. <sighs> but anyways, yeah, so just uh, comment on there. Give some feedback. I always love hearing from people, so definitely jump on and do that. So this week's episode, like I said, advocating for your dog. This is something I feel like people maybe know or should know, but they don't always do it. And they tend to make the mistake of not advocating for the dog, which then can lead into dogs getting put into situations or habits being formed that are less than ideal. So we're going to kind of dive into uh, a few things. We're going to dive into kind of what we can do as dog owners to prepare, prepare ourselves to be able to advocate for our dogs and what really advocating for our dogs means. Then we'll jump into some examples and some situations and some things to look out for when we are with our dogs. So the first thing is kind of um, what you guys can do as dog owners when it comes to advocating for your dog. The first thing is start to learn body language, body language of the dog. You know, some things are, are easy to see and other things aren't. And honestly, I do feel like sometimes dogs react differently to different situations individually. Like you can have your generic body languages, tail coming down, tail tucked, shivering, lick lipping, lick, lip licking, there we go, Uh, and and some things like that. But understanding your dog and what your dog does in certain situations to show high arousal or to show stress or to show overstimulation, whatever you want it to be or whatever's going on, understanding what your dog is demonstrating I feel like is extremely important and something that you should definitely definitely do with your dog. Um, Managing your dog's stimulation. Uh, If you know your dog's going to go into certain situations and be extremely excited and and jacked up, then you should prepare yourself on how you're going to be able to manage that. 
putting a dog into an elevated stress situation or or an elevated um, arousal, it could lead to issues, biting, jumping, barking, bad habits forming, whatever. You're not advocating for your dog in that sense. You're not saying, you know what, I know this is going to be a hard situation for you, so I'm going to do what I can and be proactive here and be prepared. You know, as opposed to your dog doesn't know where they're going or what you're putting them into, but you do. And so if you're putting your dog into a, a, a pressure situation that you know they can't handle, but you're not doing anything to work on it, you're really failing your dog in that sense. And you need to make sure that you're advocating for them through proper management of them, you know, and, and you know, managing the stimulation, managing their excitement level, I think is super, super, super needed. Um, be aware of what's around you. That's another really good one. Sometimes people get lost in focusing solely on their dogs. You know, yes, it's really good to be aware of what your dog is doing. I think 100% that needs to happen because I've seen plenty of people who are at parks or who are at events and their dog is at the end of their leash jumping on somebody or doing something inappropriate, but they're but the owner's too busy chatting with somebody else to even notice what's going on. And we need to make sure that doesn't happen. So obviously paying attention to your dog is important, but also paying attention to the environment. What's ahead of you? What's behind you? You know, what's going on that could potentially be a problem for your dog and how you can set yourself up to be prepared uh, for the situation that could be coming up. And we'll give some examples of some things here in a little bit. But just being aware of what's going on. Situational awareness, I think, is incredibly important. And sometimes with social media, or well, I should just say with cell phones and different things, people can tend to just kind of block off the environment because they're so focused on their phone. They're so focused on the other distracting things that are around that they fail to see something that's coming up. And then suddenly your dog is in a situation that they didn't have to be in if you would have just been paying a little bit more attention. Um, And so I think that's important. And then the next one and kind of the last one here is be willing to speak up. Now, this one is harder than it sounds. You know, I, I, I find a lot of people, when, we're, when I'm talking with, with clients and stuff, I feel like a lot of people have a hard time telling people no. Have a hard time just speaking up for their dog. Your dog has a hard time communicating, communicating in a way that I guess people would consider appropriate. You know, but dogs have a hard time communicating when they're unhappy. You know, in 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 a good way, and so this is where the body language is important, but also speaking up. If you see something that doesn't seem right, you need to speak up in behalf of your dog and say no. Say no, you can't pet my dog. No, you can't do that. Uh, again, we'll give some examples here shortly, but you need to be willing to speak up and not be afraid to offend people. Not be afraid to to you know ruffle some feathers. It is what it is. In the end, this is your dog, and so if you're not willing to speak up for your dog. I always say dogs like to lead or be led. So your dog wants to either be the leader or they want you or somebody to be the leader. And I actually feel like most dogs want to know who pack leader is, who who's in charge. And if they don't feel like anybody's in charge and standing up and doing anything for them, I feel like then they feel like that's a take it into their own hands. And that's when you have a lot of issues uh, pop up. So be willing to stand up for your dog, speak out, tell somebody no. Tell somebody, tell somebody no, they can't pet your dog. Tell somebody that even, I don't, and I don't really honestly care, um, unless I'm in a class, unless I'm working with a trainer, or if I know this person and I trust this person, 
I don't care who it is. If they're trying to tell me something and I know they're they're wrong, at least in the sense of my dog, I'm going to stand up for my dog and be like, this isn't going to work. Please don't do this. And if you have to, omit the please and just say, don't do this. Be firm. Stand up for your dog. So the next thing then we're going to talk about is some situations, some things that, that pop up commonly in just everyday stuff. And we're going to actually start with the biggest culprit, and that's us. That's people. You know, people People can be know-it-alls. People who, and I don't want to throw people under the bus. I feel really, you know, like there are people who know a lot about dogs. I really uh, believe that, and I've seen that. But there's also people who think they know a lot about dogs just because they've owned a lot of dogs. And that could be further from the truth. You know, it could be absolutely further from the truth. I own, I've owned a ton of computers. I still don't know crap about computers. You know, I've owned a ton of vehicles. I can hardly fix mine when it breaks down. So ownership is not, uh, especially, especially high quantity ownership, is not, uh, that doesn't mean that you're, you're a master of it. It just means you've had a lot of them. Big deal. You know, big deal. Um, so, so the first thing is, is, we'll just jump right into it, is those strangers, those people who, who come to you and they're like, well, you know, I, I've had 10 dogs in my life, so I know how to deal with your dog. You know, those are the people that I jump back to the last thing I was talking about where it was speaking up for your dog. Those are the people I really am the ones I'm talking about. Your dog's afraid. Someone comes up and they're like, oh, I'm great with dogs. It's okay. And they go and start pushing themselves into that dog. And you see your dog is going, what is this joker doing? I do not like this. I am not happy. This needs to stop. Well, if you don't speak up and be like, no, stop, you need to quit this and just leave, you're going to make it worse. Well, the end result could be bad. It could either A, just feed into your dog's fear of people or whatever the situation might be, or B, something even worse, is the dog then decides it needs to lash out and bites the person. Well, then whose fault is it? I mean, we know, looking, looking at it, whose fault it really is, but in the end, the dog is going to always be at fault. When the dog bites a person, it's always the dog's fault on paper. And probably according to the law, it's always the dog's fault, unfortunately. When 90% of the time, it's really not. Something happened and the person pushed the dog. So this is where you need to speak up and say, no, no, you cannot pet my dog. And some people can be really freaking pushy. Like, they, if they sense that you're not advocating strong enough, if they don't feel like you're serious enough, they'll move in like like they're not even hearing what you're saying. you know. And yeah, maybe the result is it ends well, but the likelihood, especially if you know your dog and you're uncomfortable and you don't think it's going to work, the likelihood is very low. And in the end, someone's going to get bit and or something, and it's going to make the problem worse, not better. We had a person uh, years ago, and it was actually my wife uh, doing this one. She was at a, a pet store, and she was walking our dog. And, you know, he's, he's, he, he was a Malinois. He was people-friendly and, and everything. He was fine. Um, but we're just walking through the pet or She's walking through the pet store, and she has him sit, and she's hanging out looking at some stuff. And some lady comes up behind her and says, Can I pet your dog as she reaches and touches our dog? Now, before... Jenny could even say anything 
this lady had her hands on her dog and she had her hands on her dog from behind so she was touching the dog and and, and the dog wasn't even aware that this was going to happen um, because she basically asked and touched at the same time and my wife being extremely smart about the situation said you should wait until i give you permission to touch my dog i would have given you permission but this is inappropriate my dog could have been startled turned around and bit you this is where being uh, aware of your situation is important seeing what's in front of you and behind you is important and the lady got really mad said she had a bad day at work and just wanted to touch a dog i don't care that that's a problem. That's I honestly think that's sometimes the problem is is we care, and this is going to sound so cold. Um, we care about other people's problems sometimes too much. Where our dog doesn't like being hugged, but someone's like, "Oh, I just need to hug a dog," or "Oh, your dog is so mushy." Oh, can I just hug him? It would make me feel so much better. And we're like, "Oh, if it's going to make you feel better, but if it's making our dog feel like crap, I mean, really, in the end, stranger or my dog, you know, like." Now, I'm not gonna let my I'm not gonna let someone just hug my dog or touch my dog just because they need to. And people kind of feel obligated or feel like this entitlement like I should be able to pet a dog. You have a dog in public. And that's not remotely ever the case. You should never people should never feel like they can just touch someone else's dog just because your dog's in public. Just because the dog's in public doesn't mean it's friendly, doesn't mean it's social. It means it's out there with its owner. And it's the owner's property. And as hard as it is sometimes for people, dogs our property and so this dog's our property so if you touch our property i'm going to tell you you shouldn't unless i give you permission but anyways the lady got super upset and kind of huffed away um and that's what it is it is what it is you know i always tell people like it doesn't matter in the end in the end you have to live with the dog that you have and if something's going to create a problem or potentially create a problem well the person that's creating the problem probably doesn't care or doesn't have to deal with the the repercussions of what happens and what leaks over beyond that, they get to leave and go, I got to touch a dog. And then the dog leaves and goes, I don't want another stranger touching me ever again. Right? So, anyways, strangers. Stranger danger is real, especially when it comes to dogs. And, and obviously with the uh, with the pandemic and everything happening, I have noticed less people um, coming up to people and asking them to pet their dogs for obvious reasons. But it's still there. And... You know, with things getting slightly better, it continues to to rear its ugly head, and we hear about these stories a lot. So, strangers, nah, nah. The next one is going to be one that is not so strangery, and that's your family. Now, I could talk about immediate family, your spouse, your kids, whatever, um, but also uncles, aunts, grandpas, 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 grandmas, you know, anything like that, any family. Um, again, we tend to throw trust behind what they're saying because we know them, you know, and while they've raised hunting dogs, so they must know what they're doing. I'm sorry, but you know, a hunting dog is not a basset hound. You know, a hunting dog is not a St. Bernard. So don't, you know, just because they've raised dogs doesn't mean that they know dogs. Go back to that. So if you don't think whatever, whoever's giving you advice, if you don't think it's right for your dog, don't do it. I've had people go, well, my, my, aunt or uncle said put a pinch collar on the dog because it worked for their dog no it worked for their dog which is cool but just because it worked for one doesn't mean it'll work for all so don't don't just dive into because it worked for somebody it'll work for your dog it's not always the case so if family's doing stuff i mean advocate like especially close family 
again, so if you like your kids or anything like that, and we'll be getting into kids here next, um, but if you have family that is messing with the dog or doing stuff, stand up for them. Stand up for your dog and be like, you know what? This isn't appropriate. Either A, it's my dog doesn't like it and is uncomfortable, or B, what you're doing is creating bad habits, uh, i.e. biting, mouthing, jumping, you name it, whatever. You know, so it's really important to watch that and be like, no, that's not appropriate. You need to stop that because the only thing you're doing is creating a headache for me and problems for my dog. So that leads into the next one, which would be kids. So I touched a little bit about it a second ago with, you know, appropriate playing and different things like that, but also just interactions in general. It's not, and I, I talked about this in a recent episode with kids and dogs. It's not cute when your dog is climbing all, or when your kid is climbing all over your dog. Well, vice versa as well. If your dog is interacting inappropriately, I'll stand up and advocate for the kid as well, especially if the kid can't do it for themselves. But if the kid is grabbing the dog inappropriately, you know, tugging on ears, pulling on face, climbing on them, hugging, laying on top of them, hitting them, uh, anything like that, I immediately stop that. I advocate for the dog because most dogs actually show a lot of toler- uh, tolerance to these type of actions. Until they no longer can. And like I mentioned up at the beginning of this episode, understanding your dog's body language. If you watch, and hopefully you just don't let your kids do this so it doesn't come to that. If you watch your dog's body language during some of these stressful interactions with kids, you will see lip blinking. You will see wide eyes. You'll see tight lips, tail down, hair up. Avoidance through lack of eye contact, you're going to see something that's going to tell you that your dog does not enjoy this. And the only thing you're doing is you're setting that time bomb and it is ticking down and it'll eventually blow up in your face and it will be not a great thing. And again, it'll be the dog's fault because that's just how society is. So watch for with the kids. Uh, friends, it's the same thing. You know, I have friends on this list, but really it's the same thing as, as family, you know, the jumping, the inappropriate behaviors, all that stuff. Um, you know, if your dog's afraid and someone's like, no, it's okay, I'll just, I'm good with dogs, like, I'll just approach your dog and it'll be fine. If your dog's telling you it ain't, it ain't fine, it ain't fine. Um, so just keep that, all that stuff really in mind. Uh, the next thing we'll do, talk about then is um, other dogs. This is kind of an interesting one, I think, because if you have dogs that are super playful, like if your dog is, is, not huge into playing or if your dog is old or or whatever and playing isn't a huge deal sticking with a dog that is an inappropriate player or an over-the-top player might not be a good fit because it's just not going to work and if your dog and, and i'll see this a lot you'll have the one dog who just wants to play obsessively play and the other dog that doesn't and the other dog is throwing out these signs like avoiding turning away trying to do its own thing and the other dog is just annoyingly jumping and doing all this stuff that's when you need to intervene because that dog's not getting the clue until the other dog bites him. And then that could be a problem. So, you know, watch the dogs, especially if you have if you have a dog that's not friendly or if you have a somebody else's dog who's not friendly, don't don't stick them together. Don't set them up for for that issue. You know, if if you're at a big party or something, um, you know, Keep your dog on leash and, and stuff, and, and don't let them run around and play with the other dogs too much if you think there could possibly be an issue, you know, because when that when your dog wants to be done and get away, or heck, maybe your dog is the instigator and is hyper-playing, that's managing the situation issue right there, right? What we talked about earlier. You're, you're not 
managing the situation. You're just saying, go get super stimulated so that potentially you get into a fight. You're not actually saying that, but you get what I'm saying. Like, you're basically putting this dog into a situation that if it continues to play at the level it's going to play, someone's going to tell the dog off and it's going to not be necessarily great. Uh, the other one is environment. So this goes back to managing the dog's uh, stimulation, managing, being aware of the environment, all that stuff. Parties, parades, it's, it's, it's summertime here, so there's a lot of parades, there's fairs going on, and I do see people bringing their dogs to it. And a lot of times I see dogs absolutely melting down, but the owner's not understanding what's going on. The dog is just super stressed, not happy to be in that situation. Again, the dog has no clue where you're bringing them. You do. So you need to be advocating for your dog and say, you know what? This isn't going to be a good situation for my dog. I'm going to leave my dog at home. I'm going to just not bring him because this isn't going to be good. Now, maybe it's a goal to get the dog to the point where they can handle certain high-level situations, but you can't just jump into it cold turkey and expect for things to go swimmingly. They typically don't. So, you know, watching what, what overstimulates your dog, what scares your dog, do fireworks scare your dog? We had an episode recently about fireworks and stuff. Does that do fireworks scare your dog? Well, if they do, bringing them to a fireworks show to help them, quote unquote, get over it is not going to necessarily be the situation you're going to want to bring them into. It's just not going to work out. It'll end up overwhelming them and probably shutting shutting them down more so than fixing anything or helping with anything. So, you know, be really mindful of it. And then parties. I mentioned this a second ago with parties. My rule with parties when I have dogs, whether it's I'm bringing my dog somewhere or we're having a party here, is rotation. I'm not letting my dog have free run of the party the entire time. Now, part of it's because my dog can get stimulated extremely easily. So if I let the dog just have free run the whole time, what ends up happening is he progressively will start to get overstimulated to the point of exhaustion. And then that's when if things are still stimulating, but he's mentally exhausted from it he may end up, you know, barking or getting inappropriate in some degree. So I like to do rotation where it's like, hey, let's go. You get to come out on leash. I'm going to hang out with you for an hour or a half hour. And I'm going to put you away for an hour or two. Let you break. Let you have that mental break and then bring you back out and do it again. But it's just making sure you're managing all of this. Now, one thing you might might have noticed through all of this talking, and, and if you've listened to other episodes, and if you haven't, Definitely go back and check out some of them, or check out all of them, because they all kind of lead into a lot of what I'm talking about. <clears throat> the, the, the exercise, the training, the boundaries, the affection, bonding with your dog, having that bond where your dog knows you've got their back because you'll step in, advocate for them, put them in good situations, help them through bad situations, all that stuff to me is dynamite. It is dynamite. So making sure you bond and understand your dog's uh, issues or your dog's things that make your dog tick, I think that is so incredibly, incredibly important. And we cover a lot of this in previous episodes, so definitely go over and check those out. But guys, that is going to be it for this week's episode. I really hope you guys took some stuff away from this because I do feel like advocating for your dog telling somebody no, managing situations, understanding what your dog is telling you, all these different things are massively important when it comes to lifelong happiness and awesomeness that we all want for us and our dogs. 
So hopefully you guys learned some stuff from this. Uh, remember, jump over onto Facebook and search us out. I do have a link below, so you can certainly check it out through there. But jump onto our Learn, Laugh, Bark podcast Facebook page. Comment on there. Uh, comment on a thread I've got started. Do whatever you want to do. Um, and then also, of course, jump on to OnDogTrainingAcademy.com and sign up for our email list so that we can send you updates when our courses and some other stuff launch that we are working on. So thank you guys very much. And like every single week, we'll see you in the next episode.